Hello, my brethren. We are joined today by Advocate Ajinkya Kordukar. He is building a boutique law firm with expertise on all the new cutting-edge laws, including the law related to artificial intelligence, blockchain technology, insolvency and bankruptcy code. Apart from providing advisory and transactional services to various corporate and banking institutions, he is also a teacher, speaker, and a poet. He has delivered several talks. at TEDx Rise IIT Mumbai and more on this episode we discuss how he has built a lean team at Kurdukar and Co to tackle the requirements of his clients which he places front and center enjoy this fireside chat as i put his feet to fire on many issues facing a litigator also a special shout out to the listeners who have left a positive rating on Spotify or Apple podcast it motivates us to continue our kissa goi enjoy नमस्कार मेरा नाम है अभास आई एम अ प्रैक्टिसिंग एडवोकेट एंड दिस पॉडकास्ट इज अ नॉलेज शेयरिंग इनिशिएटिव ऑफ माय चेंबर्स टू रीच आउट टू द नेक्स्ट जनरेशन ऑफ स्टूडेंट्स लॉयर्स पॉलिसी मेकर्स एंड लीडर्स हु आर इंटरेस्टेड इन अंडरस्टैंडिंग द लॉ यहां आपको मिलेंगे कुछ कानूनी किस्से कहानियां व्याख्यान एंड सम फूड फॉर थॉट सो विदाउट फर्दर अडू सफर शुरू करते हैं वेलकम अजंक्या so good to have you my pleasure abhas thank you so much for inviting long long time when was the last time we actually met <laughs> i guess 2010 aapke farewell ke time pe bas that's about oh my god 12 long years 12 long years well long years but i think you shifted to delhi and yes. uh, i shifted to bombay so Right. I have a vague memory of meeting you in 2012 when I visited Bombay I could but I'm not too sure. Uh okay I do not recollect that. Either. Okay. Anyway, but we start with the origin stories of all our guests. So give me the origin story for Ajinkya Kodukar. Where do you come from? Mm-hmm. What did your parents do? Right. He like Batman suddenly. Huh? <laughs> so uh I come from a place called Aurangabad. uh it's in central maharashtra and uh, spent my childhood there <clears throat> till i think around 6th uh, standard yeah and uh, then we shifted to bombay uh i belong to a, a family of lawyers to be honest where my uh, mother's father is uh, was a renowned uh, criminal practitioner in uh, parmani her grandfather was a pdj and uh, my uh, paternal uh, grandfather's brother uh, happens to be a retired supreme court judge but then my parents never wanted to get into this field in this domain so my mom has been a teacher all her life my father was into uh, consulting uh, he's a consulting in the marketing domain and uh, to be honest law just happened as a uh, as a natural uh, graduation because uh, I, i since the time i remember i wanted to be one i either wanted to be a scientist or i wanted to be a lawyer so uh, i think by 10th standard i had decided that so yeah that's the origin story so to say so do you have any siblings no i do single child yes so that's why perhaps your parents were not too keen on sending on an adventure <laughs> perhaps yeah so uh, till 10th standard you were pretty sure that this is what you want to do so did any prep go into preparing yourself for the admissions or uh, a supplementary question is also then how did you decide where exactly do you want to pursue the profession uh, 
Right. So, uh, in my 12th standard, I did uh, start preparing for uh, the uh, law school entrance exams. And uh, I, I remember joining the most uh, popular classes uh, that time, I believe. That's where I met uh, one of your uh, classmates, uh, Gargi, as well. So, she was, uh, yeah, she was also part of the alumni. So, yes, I did give all those exams of uh, premium colleges and uh, in, after my 12th standard. Pre-clad days. Yeah, yes. So it was called LSAT or something, I believe, right? Every college had their own exam and they called it different things. Achha, yeah. There was yeah, there was a one for Nalsar, one separate exam for NLSI and uh, for Simbi, I remember. So I'd given all the exams. Uh, I did a little decently, I think uh, a little above decently, but uh, the cutoff was quite steep that time. I did get through Simbi, uh, but for some reason, I was also considering uh, ILS. And as fate would have it as, uh, in fact, most of the students of my batch, uh, they they were told that the ILS principal is shifting to uh, our college, DES. And uh, it's better if we shift to DES instead. So that's how I landed in DES. We all followed Professor Deshmukh. Yes, everywhere he went, we went behind him. <laughs> God bless his soul. So then what was college like? What all did you do in college? What were those experiences like? Honestly, uh, whatever I am today, uh, the personality, the characteristics uh, that I possess, I think the seeds were sown uh, right during the college period, college time. I'm sure you would also know uh, me, uh, you know, the way I progressed, the way I, uh, the entire college journey happened. The most important, uh, actually two things uh, that I think uh, I will give all the credit to the college life for these two things. One is people skill, social skills. Good part was our college was more like a big fat community comprising of so many different characters and comprising of so many different kinds of people from different backgrounds and to be able to gel in with all of them together cumulatively collectively as well as uh, independently i think that uh, had sown the seeds of uh, having a very smooth uh, social presence social life and uh, people skills and uh, now 10 11 years into the profession i feel that is the that is a premium skill that i possess uh, you know highlighted skill that i possess because that smooths out the edges in conferences, in dealing with clients, in breaking the ice, in acquiring clients. That works like a charm because it's easy for you to assess uh, whether the whether that client is going to be converted, how you can convert the client, how can you deal with the client, how to serve the client well. That helps immensely. Second thing, I think what helped me or uh, what I will give credit to is the fact that I have never been a very... Uh, I was never a very hardcore student in my school days, in my 12th standard. Uh, but somehow during law college days, I realized that if I put in some effort, I can actually get good at uh, things. So till my 12th standard, I was a, probably a below average or maybe an average kind of a student, like a typical student, uh, backbencher kind of guy. But uh, from my first, second year in law college, I realized that boss other if I study in a particular way, if I look at things in a particular manner, things started to seem doable. And uh, stronger academics meant uh, a little more 
secured future and that comfort or that cushioning gave me the courage to get into practice you know if you know if something just goes wrong you still have strong academics that you can uh, fall back on and uh, things can work in your favor so these two things immensely shaped my uh, my behavior my attitude and my personality so social skills and the fact that if i put in some effort things are doable i mean things which initially seemed uh, impossible uh, were doable if i put in some more effort so yeah would you say that it is more towards the academic mark side or the understanding of the subjects what was the priority in college it was in fact it was both because getting good marks meant two three things getting good marks meant having good confidence during the college life be attaining certain level of achieving certain level of respect in the peers see having a secured future in the sense that you will get placed at a decent uh, firm and moving on to the second aspect of it is dealing with a subject uh, right from its beginning right from its inception if you have good professors they will be in a position to teach you the practical aspect of uh, of of those subjects uh, in our second year i remember we had a teacher i vaidya ma'am she used to teach us contract 1 rushali vaidya yes and i remember the way she taught us contract uh, in the most practical manner possible how the contracts happen and how parties negotiate and things like that those are the ways those are the things that that were etched in my uh, memory in a way that i understood that there is a clear cut practical implication of what you are studying in your law school and this is how you are going to use it in the industry or in the practice or this is how you serve the industry you know you learn contract act and that's how you provide services to a company or to individuals where they are getting into contract so this equation uh was equally important so yes the academic part includes the marks as well as the ability to understand the practical implications of what you are learning you mentioned that good teachers with good lectures leave an imprint and give you practical knowledge but yeah. we were not from an elite institution by any means so certain teachers would be really good but there will be certain teachers who would, would who would not be uh, for the lack of a better word up to the mark yes so what would you do with the subjects that you may find interesting or important in your career as you know as a student you might find that this is actually going to help me in future but the teacher is not so good so how do you deal with that situation i remember there were some subjects which i had never studied before uh, something like uh, economics in our first year with i'm a science student so and uh, the tutor that the uh, professor that we had was you know maybe whatever so i was not very comfortable with that but to be very honest uh, as things developed in the third year fourth year fifth year a lot of subjects were uh, a result of immense intense discussions amongst our circle within our circle so we had seniors i am extremely grateful to a lot of seniors including you who have at every step guided us and taught us i mean when i say taught i literally I literally mean this because we used to take notes from our seniors uh, in our within our group also we had around 6 7 seniors from your batch from the senior batch 
so we used to take notes people used to sit us down and literally teach us topics i remember three of my friends uh, teaching me uh, contract 2 within one night uh, in the second year so partnership bailment agency and the examples that they gave us were so useful for two reasons their parents were lawyers they were practicing advocates and their parents had taught them bailment in just one example they shared that example with us and it took us what half an hour to understand what bailment is so uh, you know so those are the kind of teachings i think that helped me or uh, rather a lot of uh, people from our batch when the professors were not uh, for lack of a better word competent enough but then yes self study was another way uh, of uh, dealing with things uh, as i said i understood the knack of studying i understood the way how a subject should be studied during uh, law college and that again is helping me immensely even today for the simple fact that it's 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 very easy for me to step into a new domain of law so for the past 2 3 years i've been studying ai uh, and law so it that, that's that's a topic that's a very noble topic that's a very unusual topic and uh, that caught my attention as i started studying it and now i have come to a position where i can talk about it now i did not i have not practiced in that domain i i have never had that subject in my college in my law school but i still could manage to get into it for the simple fact that that habit was cultivated during the law college and even if you know uh, you don't have very good professors or if the infrastructure is not so good you still take baby steps into the subject and try learning it try understanding it so yeah those were two very important things that you said that if even if you because the laws are so many and so varied that you cannot possibly learn all the laws especially in college even in your entire life you will not be able to know all the laws nobody can command that kind of knowledge but yes. what you could do in law college is a learn to read the law and b just learn to learn and those yes. will be two very important skills that will uh, keep you in good stead in your career so that's a wonderful answer so can i pick your brains regarding the co curricular and extra curricular activities that you were involved in during the college Uh, do you think that they contributed in any way in your personality development or you know in the future career development to a large extent actually two things i would highlight here because we were from we were studying in pune as uh, luck would have it i was very very fortunate to be introduced to a lot of interesting people in pune who in turn got me introduced to marathi literature some parts of marathi literature now being coming from bombay and although i am a maharashtrian but i was never being i was never a big reader or anything you know during my childhood or uh, growing up days and you come but from a course, english medium background yes 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 i come from an english medium but luckily i was introduced to a lot of good authors marathi literature in pune i loved that for two three years i read a lot of it we used to discuss that second thing is i got introduced to poetry in in my third fourth year and uh, that uh, that thing turned out to be like a beast and it it never left me i mean poetry is second third passion that i have and it's it's just there every day you know uh, i got introduced to a lot of good uh, uh, urdu poets i remember one of the people who introduced me was a host of our uh, 
college uh, fest in our third year so he had quoted some poems during the hosting part and i had walked up to him and i was like hey boss ye kya hai what is this man so he told me some poets and he said that you know you'll get books in crossword and everything so i went i started reading i never understood because urdu was, was like a alien language that time but that thing stayed with me and it helps me even today on two levels a it taught me the ability to be extremely crisp using the right words at the right time and express your views in the shortest yet more, most convincing manner you know without uh, using unnecessary words without uh, uh, having to use long unnecessary sentences that's what urdu shayari is all about and second thing is it calms me down in in a way that uh, if i am feeling extremely uncomfortable about anything you know about it, it can be about work it can be about uh, personal life or anything it sort of finds its way out in a form of a poem and the moment i have written a poem which has 100% communicated what i wanted to communicate from my heart i feel i feel relieved i feel light and uh, i am totally grateful to pune and our college for that because these are the two things you know that i co curricular activities that helped me and uh, of course i was introduced to uh, gymming due to you know some friends of mine and uh, that again stayed with me another big hobby that i have so yeah so poetry gymming and uh, marathi literature is something that i carry with me yeah reading is extremely important uh, as you said poems especially uh, they will give weight to your words as you said and yeah. they also give you a mode of expression so you can vent out uh, on paper uh, rather than on someone else that's much more preferable mode so during your college days this is a five year course so did you do any internships and do you recommend any internships to any listeners that we have i would highly recommend so i did just one internship during my entire law school primarily because i was studying uh, my company secretary's course as well so that sort of used to uh, take up all my time i completed it before i completed my law so uh, i was fully dedicated to it but to answer that question yes i would highly recommend that uh, every student should be working uh, at least from the third year first two years you can chill and you know it's it's a very nascent innocent stage uh, you are not introduced to a lot of things but from the third year yes i would highly recommend doing that because the moment your law school is over and when you start looking for internships when you start looking for work things are not completely alien to you because first few months are at whichever stage you enter the profession first few months are going are certainly going to be extremely clerical in nature are going to be extremely uh, you will you keep exploring things i mean something as simple as uh, bombay high court mein courtroom number bhul jana <laughs> so first couple of years are going to lack glamour yes so uh, you know something as simple as forgetting the courtroom numbers forgetting the face of that judge watching the board watching the board taking maintaining a diary and uh, and you know one more thing is if agar kuch nahi to at least get used to uh, wearing a white shirt and a black trouser for the rest of your life you know uh, so that uh, that 
feeling of boredom that is associated with that uh, with that outfit i think that just vanishes if you start uh, interning at an early stage mental training uh, to feel smart in that outfit yeah absolutely <laughs> which is where moods also help sometimes but uh, they are very different beast when you compare it to internships internship is where you actually learn the practical skills so you did only one internship how did you get that internship and uh, where was this uh this was in pune itself uh, it was uh, with a, a district lawyer and uh, it was in a criminal domain so he was mainly handling uh, a lot of bail matters it was through i just i just went there and i gave my cv and they were okay with it it was uh, you know i just walked in uh, because uh, i remember in our second year i along with a friend of mine we used to sell law books in the district court pune so he was his brother was into publication uh, publishing uh, law books and uh, he used to you know send us to uh, the court and jao interact at least you know he'll end up interacting with a lot of lawyers and then he used to convince them first we had to go through the what is written in that book so that you know we could give them a gist and it was a brilliant exercise that we did for about 2 months that's how i got introduced to a lot of uh, lawyers in pune and then i was very excited to know how this bail works because we all have seen you know bail ho gaya and movies and all that and by second year we we have not studied crpc or even ipc for that matter so i was very curious very excited so i thought how about this you know how about you work with someone who does bail so uh, i worked with him and uh, for a couple of uh, months and it was a great experience good part was that he we used to sort of accompany uh, that uh, advocate to the court uh, you know like a like the typical interns who are around the senior and uh, we used to watch him argue hardly we could not grasp anything anything technical aspect of it but uh, we could understand a few things you know like what is the prerequisite of a bail or what is the section that governs bail so these basic things were uh, taught to us or rather we could read up and uh, in because it was a very young age the things that i learned there were that uh, how a brief is to be kept you know something as simple as that so or why does a brief look so fat and so thick so you know what are those papers that are there in a brief so you know, why is a brief not so brief <laughs> so yeah these fundamental yet very common questions were answered in those couple of weeks so yeah so could you take us a little bit through and we'll just conclude this uh, law college part after this the company secretary aspect why did you decide and if you could tell our listeners what exactly goes into pursuing that course what does it entail uh the decision was very uh, impulsive so to say it was uh, when we were discussing a couple of friends we were discussing about there were a few friends who were doing cs that time and they were discussing amongst themselves and uh, when i asked what is the cs ye kya hota hai so uh, they told me what the profession is all about and uh, i was told the scope of what what needs to be studied what is the course and everything it seemed like a herculean task because i come from a hardcore science background so pcmb kind of thing till my 12th standard so all those subjects were completely alien to me plus i am as i mentioned i was not a very studious guy uh, till my 12th standard so 
studying another course along with law itself seemed like a uphill task for me. But then uh, I thought, let's just see what what this is all about, you know. So I went and I registered myself. And the subjects when we when we were uh, given the modules, the books, I started glancing through the flipping through the pages and caught my attention. And at the cost of sounding really naive, you know, I was so impressed with the message that was there on the cover page of those modules. You know, what is the vision? What is the mission and the goal of ICSI? And I was like, oh, this is jazzy. This is so smart and so interesting. So uh, uh, I started studying and I felt I fell in love with the course. You know, the, the kind of material that was provided to us the peers that I had uh, during that time, plus my uh, tutors, you know, we had sessions and everything. So those were extremely useful. And that kind of kept my interest going right till the last moment. And that course shaped my inclination, my, in, my liking towards corporate and commercial domain as a domain to practice in. So uh, till my fourth year, honestly, I was always told in fact, fifth year, I was told that uh, you know, if you are getting into law, then you will either get into civil or criminal, or you'll get into a law firm. That's a very uh, basic understanding, or rather, immature, uh, if I can use that word, immature understanding of uh, of the profession that people, or rather, uh, seniors or anyone, people have this, and they keep on telling you that just these But that's not a, that's not correct. I mean. Commercial litigation, you are also aware about it. You know, it's it's finding its way. And I think it's one of the most popular domains of law today. About the second aspect of the question for the for the listeners, I think it's one of the best courses, professional courses in India, and the best professional course when it comes to corporate uh, law. I am extremely confident that there is no other course that exists which is as exhaustive which is as uh, relatable and practically designed as is uh, ICSI course. And uh, it is, yes, it is an uphill task. It's a, it's a challenging course, no doubt about it. It demands a lot of hours uh, from your day. Uh, you have to prepare in a very scheduled manner for about six to seven months. If you have to uh, achieve good results, and if you want to clear it in one book, I'm sure about six to seven months are required. And uh, it is, again, a misconceived idea that uh, if you do your CS, then you have to practice as a CS or work as a CS. Absolutely not necessary. You can use that knowledge base, things that you have learned and understood about corporate law into your practice and which is a deadly blend which is a beautiful blend in my view, because that takes you 10 steps ahead of your peers who are getting into corporate practice. Because you know the procedural aspect, the legal aspect, and you are blending it, you're seasoning it with your uh, law practice. I think that uh, coupled with the fact that, we, that uh, the judiciary is getting into a decentralized mode, we have uh, dedicated tribunals now, these kind of uh, things will definitely be adding the force, uh, adding the weight to the to this blend of professions. So CS ki practice nahi kari, 2011 graduate kar gaye. Training kari? Ji. Kaha kari? 
uh, I did that with Mehta and Mehta, and uh, it was I think that time it was number one in India, and uh, luckily I was doing uh, corporate litigation ka internship there. So, हाँ, so वहाँ पे भी मतलब I was not doing the typical minutes and everything. I was fortunate to be doing uh, CLB matters and uh, scheme matters, M&A matters there for the High Court and CLB. So those kind of things were that they really helped, and uh, I could also do some uh, transaction uh, documentation there. So I drafted SHAs and SPAs there. So again, it was a brilliant exposure, and I owe a lot to the my, my senior there, Sagar Madan and Deepi Mehta. Lot lots of things to learn from them. That's wonderful. This was your first job, or this does not count as job, and you found your first office elsewhere. Well, this was not my first job because before that, when I was in Pune, uh, in my last year, I was teaching CS intermediate students in a coaching class. So I used to teach them general commercial laws and company law. Uh, I had just cleared my CS final, and I was teaching the intermediate students, and I was doing that for about five months, four or five months. Pune has a lot of coaching institutes. Uh, they are uh, into teaching for uh, ca courses cs courses and cfa courses and everything so this was an opportunity that i found uh, and uh, i was very very thrilled to take it up and that's again when i realized that teaching is a big passion that i have and because my mother is also a teacher so uh, i took that up and uh, since then i have been there has been no looking back i mean uh, something as recent Till about 2020, I've been a visiting faculty to the Bombay University, and every Saturday for about 10 hours, I used to take sessions there. So yeah, the point is that it was not my first job. My first job was technically, uh, you know, teaching intermediate students. So what happened after Meta and Meta, and how long were you there for? Uh, yes, so Meta ended in December 2012. There, thereafter, there are certain formalities that uh, you know that you need to do for CS. Uh, there is certain stock exchange training, ROC training, and things like that. That consumed about three to four months, and uh, then I started working with Kurdukar Associates, which uh, which is the firm where I was working for about one and a half years, and uh, that started somewhere in May, June, early June 2013, and I was there till around November 2014. By this time, uh, you had finished your AIB, Sanad, and everything. Yes, yes, yes. My AIB exam was also done, and uh, Sanad was also done. All the formalities, the OS registration and stuff like that, all of it was sorted. And uh, I was there with Kolkata uh, uh, Associates for about one and a half years. And uh, from November, December two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, I started up. I started taking up matters in Delhi. So, how did you get into Kodukar Associates? Did you have any references, or what was the admission process? Uh, I had also applied, and I also had a reference uh, because uh, it so happened that we are distantly related. You know, about uh, I think he's my father's third cousin or so, the proprietor, and that's how I was. And I was also recommended that you know I should work uh, with him for a couple of uh, months. to get a hang of uh, a lot of non litigation matters that they used to deal with 
yeah so drafting part i think uh, i learned a lot of it at kolkata associates uh, drafting of transactional documents especially tenders or uh, commercial contracts that's where i learned all of it but this was about for about one and a half years and somewhere in, in november or december 2014 i decided that i'll start uh, working independently and when you decided working independently did you go completely independent or were you associated with somebody and started taking up your own matters no i was completely independent oh wow so uh, we actually got independent around the same time <laughs> oh is it oh lovely so almost 8 years of independent practice now ajinkya could you take us through some of the major milestones what all have you been involved in well a good part was that i have been witnessing a lot of shifts beautiful shifts and in fact fundamental shifts and i was right in the middle of it and i think that is something that i'm extremely grateful because the timing was just perfect i'll give you two three examples one is because my practice is a lot about company law 2014 when i started the practice 2013 act was like just like a freshly baked cake and it was it was a landmark piece of legislation uh, primarily because the 1956 act was completely obsolete and this new act had come with a lot of fresh energy with a lot of fresh zeal and lot of things were happening in the in the domain and there were very few people right in the front who are uh, ready to take on the matters and apply their brains and not just templates you know that is one very interesting thing that happened in 2014 thereafter there were a lot of merger matters that were happening and uh, for the high court and uh, there were a lot of developments that were happening in the mna space primarily because of two reasons a the trajectory that had started the investment trajectory that had started somewhere in 2009 2008 investing in uh, early stage startups that was bearing those fruits by 2014 2015 and because of that there were a lot of uh, mergers or acquisitions that were happening in the industry so i was exposed to a lot of uh, transactions like that between from 2014 now second aspect of this uh, is that the startup culture had just begun you know four five years ago three four years ago there was uh, as as i heard in one of the series that har ek cubicle mein ek startup ban raha tha so because of that i i sort of ventured into that space i started interacting with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and guiding them with basics of laws uh something as basic as contract law something as basic as uh, taxation you know or uh, something as basic as registering your company under uh, the companies act all these things were new to those people who although they carried an idea they had a, that they had a vision of building a corporation building a company but they always lacked this aspect they they lacked this knowledge about this aspect of having a business that is the legal aspect so from 2014 to 2016 17 2016 or 17 yes this startup practice helped me immensely and uh, as i said i used to conduct a lot of educating sessions i used to discuss a lot of with lot of things with uh, 
entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs that gave me a good exposure in terms of the community in bombay bombay and pune so i started getting basic work from that community itself in the first 3 years then as i was saying again uh, you know i was in the middle of a lot of shifts 2017 16 and 17 saw two brilliant pieces of legislation we have brera and we have ibc so uh, what happened in 2014 uh, again 2013 2014 i thought let's do this let's do the same for brera uh, and ibc as well and uh, thereafter i started taking ibc matters brera matters head on and uh, before i could uh, realize i was neck deep in ibc matters and today ibc is one of the strongest practices that we have and it's not just uh, you know the number or the volume of matters that we that we represent but it's also the quality of matters that we have have been handling in ibc so uh, we have some extremely reputed clients across india and uh, thereafter because we had a very strong exposure in this domain by 2019 20 we had also started to apply to banks for impanelment we got impaneled with uh some uh, premium banks and handling their portfolio of uh, you know thousands of crores ka matters and uh, because we have been given that kind of exposure we were exposed to a lot of interesting matters between 2016 17 till 2019 we could confidently interact with these these clients and give them solutions because in my view it is not uh, sufficient to only understand the legal aspect of Uh, of a law, but it's more important to understand the business implication of that law, because only then you will be able to offer solutions and not just offer legal solutions. The point is to be aligning yourself with the industry that you are catering to, and to do that, you should be able to first identify and highlight the problems that they are facing, and then be able to offer the necessary solutions. So, as a natural graduation may it sound like. started from 2021 we also started getting into banking uh you know the core banking litigation that we have before the high court so again that was that could happen because we could understand the banking system through ibc through the through the uh, you know through their mind what happens in the banking industry is something that we could understand and that's how we started taking baby steps in the banking domain and in the past one and a half years we have small group of people who are into hardcore banking matters so congratulations ajinkya that you have started in this field i wanted to know about this progression that you had from being a hand holder to uh, what some may call a thought leader in the uh, entire commercial field and all the associated fields you have always been on the cutting edge laws was that a conscious decision or was it a logical progression uh it was most certainly a logical progression because uh, i never thought myself to be in the banking domain or 
in in hardcore corporate domain as such i mean i wished i aspired to be but i never thought that i could actually make it to this into this domain the circumstances were such as i said uh, the laws the legislations that were passed the regulations that were uh, imposed or rather proposed by the uh, by the government all these things i think made such uh, developments happen and uh, i was i always believed in one thing that uh, it is your clients who decide what for a lawyer it's your clients who decide what practice you will you are going to be in uh you know i'm sure we all have read a lot of stories of uh, eminent lawyers who started off in one domain and then they became experts and uh, they started practicing in another domain altogether words of early wisdom my mentor always used to say that you can call yourself a tax lawyer or a constitutional lawyer but if you don't have those clients then it's just a fancy tag you give yourself doesn't mean anything <laughs> indeed yes So, but how did you start giving all these talks and sessions like how did you breach into that uh, domain or did you see that there is a demand and then you just catered to that demand at the inception it was in fact not a demand but i think i saw a cavity there i felt that the gap between potential people who would who are unaware about a lot of aspects of law a lot of fundamental basic aspects of law were ignoring it primarily because they could not afford going to a lawyer b they did not know the right kind of lawyer that they could approach and c they had a previous sour experience with some previous lawyer so these three things i felt were uh, kind of unfair towards entrepreneurs and i was really impressed and mesmerized by the buzz or the energy that entrepreneurs possessed back in time in 2014 2015 ke aas pass incredible ideas were uh, you know being sown were discussed and uh, i could very clearly see that these lacunas have to be addressed right in the inception stage because if it grows they will not be able to their, their attention will be unnecessarily drawn towards these things uh, something as simple as employment uh, contracts something as simple as third party contracts Something as simple as uh, intellectual property rights, NDAs, all these basic stuff. And yes, another thing was that uh, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, were only relying on Google and uh, you know online searching, which is not sufficient. मतलब uh, Google can tell you what it is, but it will never be able to give you practical implications of what would happen if you don't do a certain thing in a certain manner. plus it will only give you generalized information it will not cater to your case which is what people sometimes don't understand and we also do the same things right trying to google our symptoms to find out what diseases uh, we have not not recommended at all always consult a professional and the beauty of the legal profession in india is that you find good professionals at all stages of their career and therefore you find a broad spectrum of affordability as opposed to what is there in canada i'll sure uh, i'll share a quick anecdote here i had a client from canada and his company was being acquired and he wanted somebody to vet that document and oh. he shared with me after uh, we've done like brainstorming and you know, we've picked it apart and we've corrected the uh, things ultimately he said that sir can i share one thing with you the entire fees that you've charged for this 
activity was the exact same amount that the law firm was charging for the first appointment <laughs> so that's the level of affordability that india offers which yes. you will not find in the western countries and therefore i always say that please look at opportunities of mncs and you know try to expand your operations even beyond the jurisdiction because these commercial matters especially either arbitration or company matters so you have you'll have a fairly good idea in the international sector as well so ajinkya here uh, let me ask you is there uh, anything that you say miss the bus on or you regret during your career path all right um i think one thing that i seen i could have done better was uh, now this is a very candid one <laughs> uh, i could have uh, this is a chat between friends yes so i could have taken up the opportunity of a better college and i should have interned for a longer time during my college even if it meant compromising on other things i mean i don't regret doing cs at all that's that's a huge that's perhaps the best career decision that i had taken but along with that if i if i could put some more efforts and some more hours of hard work that time i think interning for at least 3 to 4 years during the 5 year course would have taken my career in a uh, in a different direction and perhaps would have uh, given me a better clarity right at the beginning of my career thank you so much for that answer i know it's difficult to answer this question uh, but i'm really glad that you did and this is important for those who are listening and who are still in the early part of their career or their education so it will be really helpful for them so what is next for the profession and how is the team building process going on because i believe that you have expanded your activities far beyond what you initially started with from like as a solo practitioner you are a one man army you do everything uh, then you start with having a clerk maybe one junior then you have to build a team from there to do justice to the clients you need to have other people on board yes also either that or take a completely different route and start a council practice so what's next for you in the profession the next uh, thing is so good part is i i do think about these uh, developments very often and uh, we currently are a team of 6 in bombay and 3 in delhi and i would want to expand the bombay team not exponentially not too much because i believe in keeping the team lean but what i want to do is to have better quality to keep having better quality team members right now i am extremely happy with the kind of work my juniors are doing and i want to ha- keep having similar kind of uh, people uh, work for a longer duration and not just you know work for one year or two years and uh, i don't as i said i want to keep the team a lean team because uh, in that case we are focusing on quality matters and i have a vision that i don't want to restrict myself only to traditional practice uh, you know partly around 60 to 70 percent practice is uh, traditional practice that involves corporate commercial and uh, arbitrations uh, and stuff like that and about 20 to 30% of my effort is always uh, 
focused on futuristic practice, practice which will develop in the coming years. So for example, about eight months ago, we, we got into crypto space, uh, blockchain space, and uh, we advised a UK-based fund starting, uh, for starting a crypto exchange in India. And now we are advising them on all the aspects that come their way that they find uh, you know, difficulty with. That was one amazing experience because uh, it was, we all know that it's a very uncertain space, so to say. You know? Along with that, I also started taking baby steps towards uh, maritime arbitrations. I am getting into AI and law related uh, advisory. I very fairly believe that it takes about uh, two to three years for one lawyer to understand a completely new domain of law and about four to five years to establish oneself as a, a premium player in that industry. We are in 2022 now. So by 2024, 26, 27, I have a vision of uh, being a premium player in the technologically technology and uh, fintech domain. And uh, I have thought about it only till, you know, for the next four, four to five years. I don't wish to expand into you know multiple cities unnecessarily. Delhi is because obviously you know there is appeals and everything, and uh, maybe uh, sometime in Bangalore, uh, you know, in the coming years because of the fact that there are a lot of extremely technologically uh, intelligent minds working in Bangalore. But yeah. yes, as I said, the division is fairly clear in my mind that about. 50, 60, 70% will be traditional practice and about 20, 30, 40% will be futuristic or uh, modern practice, practice in modern laws, maybe technology uh, or maybe fintech or uh, blockchain or AI or stuff like that. Bangalore, of course, is the vanguard of the technological development as well as the startup culture. But you are right now into the traditional court litigation. You are also in alternate dispute resolution, whether it's maritime arbitration, mediation, or regular commercial arbitration. You are into corporate practice, which is the tribunal practice of NCLT. That's what I meant by that, the one which is different from the traditional courts. So there are a lot of tribunals that you go to. You are also into advisory. You are also yes. into conveyancing part of uh, a lot of laws. So how do you manage the time that is required to be devoted to each of these aspects? So I have, I follow a strict uh, checklist route and uh, depending on the severity or uh, the seriousness of the matter, I attend the matter. Uh, as I mentioned, I am extremely happy with the kind of work that my juniors are doing. So a chunk of it is uh, handled by my juniors where uh, they do the basic drafting part if you know if some urgent application or petition has to be moved. They do the basic uh, drafting part and uh, I vet it and I get it filed. One thing that I have uh, realized in the past two, three years is maintaining a supply chain but a system in the office. You know, uh, so whenever there is a new matter that comes up, uh, it's assigned immediately to the junior who, who deals with those kind of matters, similar kind of matters. So we have someone who is dealing specifically with NCLT. One person is dealing with high court. There's someone who's dealing with the traditional drafting part. There's someone else who's dealing with the banking part. So we immediately give it to that person. So the briefing time is saved. 
uh, I don't have to sit and explain the matter to someone because NCERT ke matters ho ke bhi, jitne bhi hote hai, they, they have a fair understanding of what needs to be done. Only the nuances have to be discussed. I work on strict timelines and uh, one thing that I have very consciously cultivated is to, to do something quickly. The turnaround time should be as less as possible because things which are uh, something like a boilerplate clause, you know, or something like which is a very typical part of a petition, I totally ignore that. And uh, I kind of depend on my juniors to do the correct thing to, you know, draft the right thing there. If something goes wrong, of course, uh, it's not that I ignore, but I don't pay too much attention to it. I only work on the working part of the petition, the reliefs part, and the relevant uh, precedents uh, authority parts, and then we get it fired. So maintaining the system has helped immensely. The transaction advisory part and the corporate drafting part stays with me because uh, I believe that's a special skill that I possess. And uh, not that I don't want to expose it, but it, it is just a waste of time if I, if I get it drafted from my junior first and then I vet it because an exhaustive draft itself takes about anywhere between you know 12 hours to 15 hours or so. So I prefer doing uh, corporate transactional uh, documentation myself. And because we have specific things allotted, assigned to everyone in the team, uh, it, it becomes you know, manageable. So a checklist and established processes which can streamline yes. the entire process saves you time. So two questions and two entirely different questions here. And these are all selfish questions. Apart from all these things that you, I mentioned that you are doing, how do you take out times A for the passion projects that you have, like teaching, like poetry and other writings, and also giving talks? And also, how do you manage the billing aspect to the client? Because that's a very time-consuming aspect in my office. The billing and the follow-ups, how do you handle that? Uh, that's a very pertinent and a very, very common question. I think till 2019, I was also fighting my battle with this issue. I realized that autumn, because I discuss a lot of uh, AI and technology, Technology is the one and only solution to it. Uh, we use uh, certain softwares in, uh, you know, which has the ability to send follow-up mails. And uh, we also outsourced our uh, billing to a firm, uh, to a bookkeeping firm, uh, where, uh, you know, uh, every week their person handles the billing and whatever is due, the follow-up calls and everything is done by them. And if there is some difficulty that they are facing, only then I step in. Because I have literally burnt my hands in this process till 2019. And I realized that this is not the way you should treat your counsel. So uh, yes, automation plus outsourcing the accounting was the most uh, reasonable thing uh, that I felt that I should be doing. And... Uh, about managing time, honestly, uh, I, I, I think I have learned this from my father, that the moment you uh, get something in your daily schedule, you're never going to miss it. And you end up doing it anyhow. So for example, for three uh, days in a week, uh, I wake up at five in the morning, I have my boxing at six in the morning. So 
from 6 to 7.30, I do my boxing. And uh, I, I end up waking up. It's not like I have to struggle or I have to fight for because it's a habit that I have cultivated. And uh, uh, I, I find it difficult to do things which are not in my checklist or which are not in my routine, my behavioral routine. So, uh, you know, if you ask me to do something which is outside that scope, I will really struggle to do it. But uh, as long as it's within this, then I, I, I can, I end up doing these things very, uh, I end up doing these things convincingly. About uh, poetry, honestly, it, uh, it, it happens when it has to happen. I think, you know, when I have those things in my mind, like uh, I had when, when this invasion happened, Anashia, you agree. That time I had uh, a few thoughts, you know. I wrote a poem at the cost of sounding probably uh, incorrectly, in, incorrect on this background. Uh, I wrote a poem where I was uh, discussing about how difficult Ukrainians must be feeling. And I also ended up writing a poem about how awesome Putin must be feeling. So, you know, it, it, if you have a very strong feeling in your heart, in your mind, you end up writing it. And that's, again, a compass for me to assess my state of mind. If I haven't written anything for about a month, that means something is wrong, boss. You know, I either need to work on my sleep cycle, on my habits, on my food, or on my stress levels. Because in a calm, peaceful mind, I end up writing uh, one or two things every month. So, yeah, that's that's, that's how it works. It's 29th May. Uh, more than 90 days have passed. And Putin is perhaps not feeling as giddy as he did in the beginning. But then that gives you scope for another writing. <laughs> so, Ajinkya, last question before we have these mandatory questions, uh, which I'll put for you. We, we call them the three brief questions we ask all our guests. So, the last question before that is that, do you support the system of vacations in court? Because right now there has been a lot of clamor in the society saying that how can judges and lawyers actually go on leave? without appreciating the fact that when the people say leave, it's not that you put a lock on the court. So do right. you support the vacations? Do you oppose the vacations? What's your opinion on them? It's a personal opinion. And, of course. Uh, uh, but then I am not much in favor of uh, vacations, uh, primarily because uh, with all due respect and with all due respect to the hard work that all the judges or the, the benches they put in, and even the councils for that matter. I think resting for one or two days a week is sufficient for a human mind uh, to rest, you know, from the daily hassles and the struggles of work. Second thing is, uh, although, now, see, we both practice in the high court, you practice in the Supreme Court. So the thing is that we do tell our clients that we know that there is vacation bench, we know one or two individuals in the department will also be working, but we also know that filing actually we also know that even if it's urgent mentioning circulation, it hardly gets granted unless you know there's some demolition or unless there's something extreme happening, uh, urgent reliefs are not entertained. And Personal I, liberty or fundamental rights, something like that. I do not see any reason, any justified reason why 
the entire court needs to go on the vacation. I mean, it's not the case that it's extremely warm or it's extremely hot or that you cannot sit through. I'm sure, I mean, for high, at least high courts have ACs, Supreme Court have uh, ACs. And if the councils are ready to work and come and uh, represent their clients, I think it's a purely a valid decision, uh, valid reason why the courts should be functioning at that time. And again, it's not a vacation of one week or five days or you know, two, three days. It's a vacation of about 25, 30 days, which is which is almost one twelfth of a year. It's extremely unjustified in my view. And it's not necessary. I mean, if there is something which is necessary, reasonable mind, yes, I would have understood. But I don't see any reason for that. And uh, industry stops in the month of May or for you in the month of June, July. Everything is working except the courts. So I don't see any reason why the courts should not be working during vacation. Perfectly fine. And I was only asking for personal opinions because we are all entitled to them. And that's yes. the beauty of the profession also that uh, we learn to voice our opinions. And that's extremely mm -hmm. important in a democratic society. So uh, we'll come to the three brief questions. Ajinkya, are you ready? Perfect. Let's go for it. First question. When I say an inspirational personality in your field, what is the first phase that comes to your mind and why? First phase? Uh, in my field, well, it will be Nani Palkiwala because I read his book at a very young age. And the dedication that he displayed, demonstrated, and uh, that we all know of, uh, I think that is a... That is a cornerstone and that's something that I always aspire to have as a characteristic in my personality. I highly recommend the biography given by Mr. Arvind Dathar. Extremely yes. nicely put together. Second question, Ajinkya. What are the first three ingredients for success? In the legal field specifically, uh, it's sincerity, hard work and patience with capital T. Wonderful. <laughs> the last brief question. If it's one thing that you could tell a 20-year-old Ajinkya, what would it be? Two things. Read a lot and start investing. <laughs> okay. Not an investing advice, but you should start investing somewhere. <laughs> Anybody who's listening, if you haven't started already, start investing. Time spent oh, in yeah. market is uh, more uh, important more than time in the market. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great advice. Any last words for our listeners? And then we'll just conclude the session. One thing that I want to express at right in the end is, as Deshmukh sir, uh, I remember he telling us that you should spend at least 15 minutes after your lectures in the library. That is one advice. Agar mein sun leta, samaj leta, uski gravity us time, to shayad cheeze aur kuch aur behtar ho sakti thi. So library is the place that you should find yourself for the longest time during your law school. Uh, you know, that's uh, one thing. And do not shy away from interacting with uh, your peers during your law college because the social skills that you will develop during your uh, college life are is, is a skill that you will carry throughout your life and you will reap unbelievable benefits of that skill or from that skill. So, yeah, just two little things. <laughs> Excellent advice, Ajinka. In fact, I would say, I'll just add on to what you said that be absolutely comfortable in asking for help 
from your peers in college and even beyond so that the beyond period is something that i would like to add it was wonderful chatting with you ajinkya it was long overdue and i hope you keep returning to us absolutely a pleasure was like thank you so much for having me around thank you so much the pleasure was all mine bye bye goodbye thank you i hope you enjoyed this kissa goi session as much as i did in case you found some value in this episode do consider sharing it with one friend in case you want to reach out to ajinkya for talks internships or anything else you can mail him at ajinkya@kudukurandco.com details in the show notes of this episode thank you for listening dosto aaj ke topic se related aapka koi sawal doubt ya suggestion ho or if you want to share some story problem or confusion of your life you can follow and reach out to us on twitter at @abhasmishra or connect with us on linkedin until next time goodbye stay tuned and stay blessed